Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about man love, candy crush, and we have part two of our interview with Ollie Tapper from Global Returns Project. Hello and welcome to today to The Kindness Project. I am your host. No, I'm no, supposed to go on you. Go on uh, I'm joined by the man who has become the king of Candy Crush. It's Chris Dames. <laughs> Chris Dames Esquire. And I'm joined by a girl who is deciding, uh, trying to decide what colour job is what. It's Charlotte Dames. And we are joined by uh, a man who's just told us he loves a bit of man love. It's Russell Dames. <laughs> Hi. Hi, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Specific terms, but it was okay with it. He was enjoying it. So, what subjects are we going to tackle first? Candy Crush, coloured jobs. They're all green jobs. Or man love. What um, would you like I feel to? Like we should have a roulette wheel behind. Uh, we, need, like... we need a bit of a competition about what subject <laughs> we're going to do first. I, I reckon oh, Russell's. All right, so all right, Sophie's going to pick. Sophie's going to pick a subject. But that's why we wait, Sophie. Um, talk about Russell's man love. Um, how, how long have you loved man love, Russ? I've always loved man love. I love being oh, anywhere like, where it's true. Brotherly love. There's nothing wrong with a bit of brotherly love. Wrong with it? There's close. nothing wrong with a bit of man love. We are... Um, accepting, accepting, and tolerant on the kind of project. We love a bit of man yeah. love, don't we? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the 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 that conversation started, ladies and gents, when I had some amazing um, uh, feedback over the weekend from somebody who said um, Russell is a bit of a legend. Now we know that, Charlotte. Yeah, obviously. We know that Russell's a bit of a legend, but it's always nice to hear us, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's nice to get credit for the hard work I've done. You say that, and actually, that's a phone going in the background. And that's how well prepared we are this morning. Um, you say that, it does make you feel a bit um, uh, awkward, doesn't it, 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 it does. You are a bit of an awkward chicken nugget. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, despite the fact that the in our recent boost in popularity, thousand downloads a day. Just chuck that in there. Um, uh, you are taking all the credit. Apparently, since uh, apparently since appearing on the podcast, you are the man that has uh, the problem. Here comes our roulette wheel, though. Right, Sophie. Right, you've got to pick one of these subjects: Candy Crush, Man Love. We've covered Man Love. Scrap it. Oh, cat. We need something to replace Man Love now. Um. Uh, skating, skating, Candy Crush, skating, or uh, colored jobs, spinning a wheel. <laughs> Doesn't really work on an audio forum, but we'll give it a go anyway. Skating, skating. So, I know nothing about skating. I know nothing about skating. Uh, the we Olympics, are... the Olympics, skating you, was good. You know what? The what was incredible for me was the fact that. Um, number one, there's modern jobs coming in. Uh, modern jobs, modern um, modern sports coming into the Olympics, which I think is absolutely amazing. I'm ready um, for Axe Throwing to appear any day now. Do you reckon Axe Throwing to? Yeah. Would you like to see Axe Throwing yeah. in the Olympics? I would, yes. So would I, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you, you think about it, what, what sort of target-based sports are there? There's archery, yes. shooting. Yes. Um, that's it. Um, anything else? Um, I guess javelin, but that's throwing distances, so it's not really targeted. Well, you know what would be amazing? If you had to hit, throw a javelin like, I know, like, like 80 metres and hit a target and yes. what you think you score, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, I'm really like hoping they put some of like the old, um, older, not old sports, like, um, darts. Oh, I was gonna say like log throwing. Oh, cable tossing. Yeah, some like, of the kind boot of games flinging. Stuff. Boot flinging. That's what it's called. We, you know. We're trying to go in the opposite direction. I mean, it's modern sports, and you're just going, boot. Uh, I tell you what, should we put some boot flinging in there, Russ? What the sport would you, what old or new sport would you yeah, put in there? I'm, I'm going for boot flinging. Yeah. You're up for a bit of boot I flinging. I like the sound of that. I mean, if they ever put um, gaming in there, um, I think eSports might be the next step. Oh, eSports, yeah. My college doctor just started doing an eSports course. Did well, they? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that's um, skating and then not skating covered. Then we need to c- cover colours of jobs. So um, t- talk us through your colour of job theory. No. <laughs> Colour jobs, no. They're all green jobs. They're all green jobs. I'm, I'm everyone, everyone so nobody's got a job. blue job or a pink job. No. Everybody's got a green job. Yep. Who does the jobs in your house, Wales? Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly job. <laughs> so in your house, every job's a Kelly job, is it? Well, there, there, there are some jobs I do, not many. Go on, tell us what the jobs you do. I, I, I do most of the... Most of the HMB work, most of the Tamino uh, work. Kenny does all their lists. No, I'm talking oh. about like household jobs, not well, like work jobs. jobs. No, no they're, they're all Kenny's responsibility. <laughs> what about quality? <laughs> you give me a glass look, but it, it, doesn't It's not quite the way it sounds. So why I'm busy getting on doing what I need to do, Kenny does, Kenny does the housework and... Gotcha. So you're you're both busy doing what you're good at, specialisms. That's what you're yeah. saying. Okay. Before we dig any deeper and we start getting complaint letters, let's move on to Candy Crush, possibly the most addictive game in the world. I I was a bit of a latecomer to Candy Crush, and um, huh? so that's we skate over. <laughs> We're skating. <laughs> we are skating over what jobs are doing because. Frankly, um, I am embarrassed. The, the list is the list is abysmally small. Yeah, the list the list the list is abysmally small. Um, but uh, have a lovely time, ladies. Speak soon. But that's uh, people leaving the house again. Professional <laughs> podcasting at his finest. Oh, when have we ever been professional? Um, um, so um, let's have a conversation about. Mummy needing the miles for the bus. <laughs> Candy Crush. Um, and Candy Crush is possibly one of the most addictive games in the world. I had it for about a week and I'm just leaving it because it's got balls. Well, you know what? I, I got put off of Candy Crush a few years ago because I remember being on the tube into London and there was a guy there who was playing Candy Crush. Ne- uh, he was sitting next to me when you could do that sort of thing, you know, when you could sit next to people and not worry about it. Um, and um, 
he um, was playing Candy Crush, and it seemed that every couple of minutes he was like spending 79p. And I thought, actually, that like sort of free game for pay per transaction job is dangerous. Do you know what I mean? It's a dangerous way to. To, to get in and I, I made it wrong I mean even like sort of when I'm and I, I love a good game but even when I'm playing to the PlayStation yeah. don't engage in um, don't, don't engage pay for in, anything but the game I, I don't pay for anything for the game but the game and doing it that way I yeah. mean I don't like download any like extra content or anything like that um, no I'll, I don't either um, I just I just pay for the game and then it's safe isn't it how about you Russ I've never played Candy Crush uh, I don't really game on mobile devices at all. I've got an iPad. I haven't got a game on it. Uh, I play, at the moment, I play Football Manager and Humankind, the new Sega game, out of this Hum- world. Humankind? Is that out like civilization? Well. It, it, it's the death of civilization, I tell you. It, it's pretty deep. It's better than civilization. Oh, it, it, a lot of things are better than civilization. Amazing. Civilization's not that great. It's out of this world. Civilization, oh, 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 civilization oh, oh, oh. in the 90s was a revolution from SimCity, but humankind has took them all by storm. Right, okay. Well, I, I will take a look at humankind. Is, is it available on Steam? It's available on Steam, and it's available Mac and PC, so... Oh, oh, we're not sponsored. Right, we're sponsored by Steam. Steam, if you want to like, sort of give us a quick buzz or say cuts, um, uh, if you want to send us a giant Sonic the Hedgehog costume, either Charlotte or Russell will wear it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you want to wear us? Can we come in fancy dress next week? I know it's a podcast, but that might be worth. Just take a, a picture and use it as like. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Humankind is uh, the game that we we all need to play, apparently. Um, now, let's talk about um, the question of the podcast. And people can get in touch with us on this particular podcast in a number of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you just try and bite the finger? <laughs> it was amazing. It's coming closer. Anyway, uh, on Twitter, we're at all the kindness. If you just type the kindness points into the Facebook search bar, and if you just do that for the Google search bar, we should be the first thing that comes up. And if not, well, um, sad, I guess. Um, if you want to find the website directly, it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to email us, it's at thekindnessproject.co.uk. We don't have my place or friends reunited because as a podcast, we don't have any friends to be reunited with. <laughs> <laughs> friends reunited, the, the, the uh, social media channel I miss the most because I want to be reunited with some, some of my friends. Um, anyway, this uh, question of the podcast comes with a little story. Okay, I'm in the office the other day and... Um, uh, we have a conversation in the office about um, hidden skills and talent. So, again, n- another future question of the podcast might be what skills and talents that can you do that like nobody really knows. And Herb, who works for uh, works for the business and colleague of mine, turns around and says, "You know what, Chris? I am a dab hand at the Tim Whistle." Right, and I had to Google what Tim Whistle was. It's like a Irish piccolo. It's like one of those like sort of little, yeah. like sort of um, Irish uh, 
it's like an Irish recorder, really, with a oh, with a recorder. with a sound. So, uh, have I? I mean, my what was your instrument as a kid? You played a couple of instruments. Uh, recorder, flute, ukulele. I think was my my big one was the steel drums. I know we've spoken about the podcast before, but I love playing steel drums. Russ, violin. Violin? Did you play the violin? It's Friday. They give me a violin. Yeah, but you smashed it against the wall, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's so hard to learn. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you thought that's how you play it. Um, uh, bang. Um, anyway. Um, oh, just as good as the drums. So I, I thought it'd be a nice thing to do to buy hers a, uh, a tin whistle. So I, on my... Uh, Amazon again, not sponsored. Other shopping um, platforms are available on on Amazon. Bought a Tim Whistle. Now, while I'm on there, um, I also I'm also doing the marathon in two weeks. Uh, went out for my long run, 22 miles yesterday. Uh, legs are a bit painful today, uh, but um, so did um, also these little sort of gummy bear sweets, which are energy sweets. So my shopping basket contained a Tim Whistle. And some sweets. It also contained some folder tabs that day that I bought for myself. Oh, right, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and some folder tabs. So the Tim Whistle and some sweets made me think, what is, seems a bit unusual, doesn't it, yeah. as a purchase? What is the most unusual purchase you've ever made? Russ, keep it clean. I'm, uh, I buy a lot online. I don't, really, I don't really go in shops, but... Uh... Probably the strangest thing I've ever brought was a kitchen gadget. Come on, what kitchen gadget? What did you do? It's a blend. Was it a blend? No, well, I've got all the ninja products. So let me tell you. You've about got it. ninja. Sorry. Let me tell ninja you about products. It. You don't know what the ninja products are. No, what the ninja yeah, products. Let me, let me tell you about that. I've got the air fryer. I've got the grill. I've got the blender. I've got the food processor. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said ninja products. Yeah. You've not yeah, mentioned yeah. you've not mentioned a samurai sword or a throwing star once. They're not ninja well, products. Yeah, excellent products, though. Yeah, I know, but you've never seen a ninja carrying around an air fryer, have you? I well, mean that is that is fools that. I've not been Japan and you have, so Yeah, well you know what? I, I do know that Japanese do um a, a decent um trade in um uh, knives, don't they? You know, they do super yeah. sharp, sharp knives. Um, but don't call it Ninja. No, don't call it Ninja. Unless you're selling either throwing stars or a samurai sword or a black outfit, don't call it Ninja. Have you never not, I like, watched uh, a channel while it's not on and they play those ads over and over and over? And I that's have. the kind of stuff that they sell yeah. on those ads yeah. at, like, 5am. So, so you've got an air fryer and what else? Uh, air fryer, the grill, XL. Right. I've got the food processor. Are you proud of that? I've got a big grill. I've got the man grill. What size grill do you get? XL. Oh, I get XL shirt. Do you get a little grill, Russ? No. Big grill. I've got the... Big uh, grill. X, not L. Not L grill. XL. Why'd you get XL? My steaks are big. I need an XL grill. The steaks are high. They're all so big. Oh, anyway. I've got the food. What size grill do you get, Russ? 
I've got the
for people will create a greener, healthier and safer peace city, uh, freeing up the wonderful St Mary Lestrange Church and making the street visually rich and resilient. Love that idea. Um, and it's, it's amazing that, um, uh, particularly in London, we're doing loads of great work about um, ensuring that we can... Um, all play a part in terms of protecting the environment so amazing uh, work by them and i think i've just added a new place to visit in london on the list our second bit of, of kindness news is world's biggest factory to suck carbon from the sky and store it for millions of years turns on in iceland the world's largest factory built solely for the purpose of drawing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and storing it has just come online in Iceland. Built in the geothermal park in Hellasheidi, the company hopes that this is a mere, merely a stepping stone necessary to scale up the model by a factor of 80 and thereby remove millions of tonnes of CO2 by the end of the decade. As a direct climate solution, as there could be, the Orca factory, just one of the number of climate change solutions offered by Icelandic firm Carbfix, takes CO2 from the air before separating the carbon from the oxygen, mixing it with water and sending it deep underground into basalt formation, rock formations where it mineralizes. With 16 locations recycling CO2, Climeworks, the Swiss company which provides Orca with the CO2 intake fans, are currently extremely excited to have participated in a project that will permanently remove carbon rather than just recycling it. They say the green technology can be reproduced easily and to scale anywhere there is renewable energy and storage available. Orca was built adjacent to a local geothermal power plant so it runs fully on renewable energy. Yeah, I love that. You know, you know what? The the benefit we've got at the minute here is scientists, companies, you know, uh, and uh, certainly we spoke uh, about this. Uh, to only last week and we're going to continue the conversation next week but we uh, as a global community have all got to play our part in terms of tackling climate change what do you think yeah i definitely think it's becoming um something people can't ignore anymore yeah because obviously all of the stuff with the melting and the weather's not yeah i mean i mean we are seeing the impact of climate change mm. and that will that will only intensify over time, won't it? So the fact that there are people out there doing amazing work is brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, there's evidence to suggest if we let climate change continue on, we will either have decimated land or no land because, well, we're yeah, going to start sinking. Yeah, yeah. So we, we do need to do something about it. And it's great to see that both uh, science is stepping up to the mark in terms of inventing new technology that can have an impact but also we're making lifestyle changes that have an impact. So um, two bits of kindness news and happiness news that uh, hopefully show that we are making positive change. And on that note, let's move on to the second part of the interview with Ollie. Um, Ollie does amazing work um, uh, helping um, all of us really um, uh, use our money, use the money we invest 
to make positive change in the world. If you haven't heard the first part of Ollie's uh, interview, it's actually on last week's podcast. Take a uh, take a gander at that. Um, it's all on the website www.kindnessproject.co.uk or wherever you get your um, your podcasts. You know, we're all over the show, Spotify, um, Podkicker. You know, everywhere you can go to get a podcast, we're there. Um, and uh, enjoy the second part of the interview. I suppose the I suppose the other thing to just to mention on that is that um, I didn't realise that some of your non-profits were lobbying government because that's probably something from the commercial side big companies can do, but that advocacy of environmental causes has shown to make change, isn't it? It has. It's it's amazing, and another one of our the organisations we support, Client Earth. Um, do amazing or they they treat the, the earth as their client and and um they have shut down a huge number of coal power plants across europe um by using sort of legal mechanisms and like just incredibly useful lawyers in order to say well hang on a minute this isn't um your, your shareholders aren't going to get value for money from this thing so this this power plant should be shut down and uh, they did that in belchatov and, and australica recently um I, I I'm constantly shocked by how effective these not-for-profits can be. And and um actually we did a piece of research recently which compared um you know all of the individual lifestyle choices that people can take. So going vegan, flying less, um, eating uh, I I've already said going vegan, but I I mean um driving a car less, all of these things, we compared it to making a, uh, an allocation of 600 pounds to the global returns fund and what we found is that it's 100 times more effective than any of the other lifestyle choices okay. which is not to say which is not to say at all that you shouldn't do any of the others and they're really really important but it's it was also startling to me because i was like well whenever we hear about things we can do we never hear about these these not-for-profit initiatives yeah yeah, so, yeah. i mean i mean the, i mean the, they're, they're, I mean, we we know that there's been sort of plenty of impacts, uh, sort of studies on the impact of investing more, um, uh, sort of morally and ethically, and and that that does have an impact. But you're right in terms of a direct wealth donation to um, to nonprofits that that has a has an amazing um, impact. And talk to me about sort of that element of impact so somebody says look i've built wealth um i'm going to get the returns i need i'm conscious that i want to make sure that the the wealth not only looks after me but potentially looks after my children um uh, how do i protect the planet what impact is my point is is it 0.25 well most people start at 0.25 percent but it, it's it's ultimately up, up to the individual how much they do yeah, yeah. Uh, what impact could that donation make? Help me understand the link between the donation and 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 where the money goes and the impact it has. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I I guess to answer that, and it, and it might not be in in completely objective terms because what we know about um, the work that these not for profits do is is that it's it's difficult to measure because it it's not you you can't quantify it like you would an offset. And there are various problems that, that the offsets actually bring. And so when we think about impact, we actually prefer to think about returns. Um, 
and and while a sustainable investment right might bring you financial returns uh we like to think that a regenerative investment or an inve investment into the global returns fund is going to bring you global returns hence hence the name um and those global returns are the protection and enhancement of the biosphere um and so I guess a you've got the, the the CO2 that you're saving. Now we we can't we can't quantify that for every sort of in, uh, donation for, yeah. for individuals. But from what I've just said, we know that it's highly effective. And b you've got the understanding that you're kind of helping to to shift the financial services industry to this new way of managing wealth. Um, but also c you've got this this knowledge that you're you're taking climate action and, and you, you're doing doing the right thing for for the planet and for your children and and it goes back to i mean if, if we're being um selfish about it Ollie, and I, I always joke that kindness often is selfish because it does make you feel good um uh it certainly does for me when i'm sort of talking to amazing people doing great work because it gives me a buzz as well but that that knowing that you're doing the right thing and knowing that your money has a sense of purpose then potentially makes you a little bit happier yeah no a hundred percent and and one thing that we're we're very keen to do is we we provide impact reports to um anyone that allocates the global returns fund every six months so that they know you know this hasn't gone into a black hole this is doing amazing things and and these are the things it's doing so so anyone that does <laughs> we'll get um we'll get sort of information updates exactly exactly and and if they if they um and, and they should feel good about it if, mm. if i'm honest because it's a great thing to do cool talk to me a little bit about the the uh, progress the project has made made so far so when did it start what progress have you made and uh, what are the ambitions talk to me about the ambitions um well so so in, in terms of progress, I, I can't say too much at the moment because um, there's some really interesting conversations going on with financial institutions, but I, I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Um, all, all I can say is that a number of these institutions have said that, that this is something they're very interested in and, and we can see that there is this movement going on beyond ESG into this new yeah, paradigm. Well, you know what? There's a definite trend, isn't there? I, I think, you know, you know, financial particularly large ones financial institutions do understand that they've got to play a part in this yeah a hundred percent and 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 we the, the conversations that we've had in the, in the last few months compared with uh, a year ago um which is when the, the global terms project launched in october last year are vastly different and yeah. and it seems like you know what we're proposing is suddenly top of their agenda um, and so the next few months um, are going to be really exciting for us and 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 keep keep your eyes peeled for for, for some exciting announcements. Ollie, we're going to have to have you back on, mate. I mean, like, literally, <laughs> you, that is the most suspenseful answer I've ever had on the Kindness Project. I need to, uh, uh, we, we need to get you booked in when you've got some news to tell us. Maybe, Raz, we can put Ollie on Kindness News once he's got some news to share. We'll, we'll make sure we uh, we start updated on the on the Global Returns Project. And I suppose, I suppose the challenge that you, you guys have got is that sort of, you know, soft nudge, that gentle persuasion, that advocacy, particularly of large financial institutions and government, um, seems to be a bit of a longer game, doesn't it? Because the 
you know, the the conversations around climate change have been happening probably for you know a number of decades. How do you how do you, in your opinion, sort of fast forward some of that? Because it is an urgent crisis. We do need to look at it more urgently. How do we make sure that people are taking this seriously and taking a bit more positive action more quickly? Um, yeah, good, good question. Well, I mean, um, we know that the financial services industry um, can tend to sort of follow like a flock of sheep if if one move if one moves early. Yeah. And so, um, what we're excited by is that we can see that there are a couple who are sort of putting their heads above the parapet and saying this is something that we're we're interested in doing. And we 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 think that after that, then others are going to think, well, I, I'm missing out here. Because this is genuinely exciting, it's genuinely new. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Lead times are slow. Like these institutions have a lot of um, sort of box that needs need to be ticked, and a, a lot of things that um, that, that that need to ch- sort of change. Um, I guess the exciting thing for us is that we we're also having some exciting conversations with IFAs, where there's and 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 some of the sort of smaller medium IFAs have less of that kind of um, heavy, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Um, and so that's kind of where we've got to. But I think what what we're happy with with the way with the way that our project set up is that actually we've 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 got something here that is financially sensible. It's not just about us going to these institutions saying the house is burning, let's do something, which it is. But we also know that this is this this just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, longer term it does. Yeah, absolutely, I completely get that. And I suppose the other the other big debate that's sort of happening um, in my head and in the wider financial community is that conversation around previous companies that had a detrimental impact on climate change, like a lot of the energy firms now thinking about what their future looks like i suppose the the sort of motor vehicle industry might be another one might it and 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 are looking at changing the way that they work for the for the future so they've got sustainable business models um what do you think of that shift and is, do, you, do you think that's happening more quickly and how can we incentivize more companies to start thinking about changing their behavior in the future um, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really difficult one, and I'm very torn on it from a, a purely personal point of view because um, actually, it's these large sort of oil companies that came up with this idea of a carbon footprint to start with, because they wanted individuals to feel like they were the only. Yeah, there was no corporate responsibility, was there? That's the challenge. Yeah, no, exactly, and and yeah. I I am as a result and and probably very reasonably quite dubious of of any claims that they are making at the moment towards sort of more sustainable uh, energy and I think a lot of um, not-for-profits have actually called out the greenwashing that's going on um, and and being correct in calling it out um, so so I I have to say that I, I am dubious of of any kind of um, major oil company and and the other tactic that they've they've employed is actually some of them have said, well, it's too late now, so you might as well um, keep uh, investing in impossible fuels. So, um, yeah, that, that's my personal view on, on... Yeah, no, 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 I, 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 completely, I completely get that. I mean, I, uh, I, I, there are... I'm glad I'm not the only natural optimist 
but sometimes cynic in this interview, Ollie. You know, it's just sometimes you've got to, you know, uh, I, I, I sometimes say to people, I speak to, I'm a natural optimist, but sometimes you've got to have a critical eye on certain things to, <laughs> to, to, to make sure you're analysing it, analysing analyzing it properly. Tell me a little bit about how people can get involved. They've listened to an interview, they're thinking, you know what, actually I can sort of, I can have a really sort of great potential positive impact here how do they understand more find out more and, and get actively involved well thanks chris well you you can become a, a symbiotic investor um and you can you can do your allocation today by going to our website www.globalreturnsproject.earth uh, and and there you can allocate your quarter of percent um directly to our amazing portfolio of not-for-profits and how how easy is it for an individual to do or do they need sort of the financial institutions they use to to support them with it well so so that there are there are two separate ways, um things you can do you can if you want without your financial institution you can just do it through the website like donation. yeah you can do it straight away uh, and obviously as we're a uk registered charity that's eligible for for gift aid 100% of the allocation will go to uh, the, the not-for-profits. The other thing you can do, as you say, is you can talk to your financial advice. You can say, look, this is something that I want to do. Uh, and this is something that I think we, you should be offering to all, all, all of your clients. Um, and that's the work that we're doing, obviously, and, and, and um, that's that's going well. But as the more people that can say it to their advisors and, and um, the people managing their money, their wealth managers, the private banks, the better. Um, so that that's another thing that you can do. You can sign up to our newsletter. Uh, and we, we give um, great fortnightly positive insights into uh, various parts of the climate and nature crisis and, and, and things you can do. Um, you can follow us on social media if you're that way inclined. But um, yeah, I mean. Oh, there's plenty, plenty of ways to get involved. And let's be a bit more specific about people, where people can find you. So what's the website? What's the Twitter handles? How can people get in touch? So people can get in touch. Um, with me first actually uh, okay. by, by emailing me if you want to at ollie at climate crisis dot earth and why, why have i got an image that you've got now got a hotline in your in your room ollie do you know what i mean have you got a big red phone i've got i've got i've got four or five phones um and i've had to put them on silence during yeah exactly yeah just just for the podcast please get a red phone for our next interview mate just like <laughs> just just have it there and just go i'm really sorry chris i need to take this call all right okay, yeah, yeah. Now that, that'd be great i'm sorry that leads <laughs> me on a tangent apologies so, oh, yeah, i didn't they, know it would be weird to end it but uh, next time i'll there uh, yeah big big red phone with yeah. okay so where can people get in touch with you directly so, so you can email me at ollie at climatecrisis.earth and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you may have from, from anything from this interview. Um, and B, probably more important than that, you can go to www.globalreturnsproject.earth uh, and there you can sign up for our newsletter, you can, you can make this allocation, uh, you can explore, you can see all of the not-for-profits we're supporting. Um, and you can visit our knowledge hub. You can read about all of the, the publications we've got, um, and and yeah, you can just sort of engage with with um, with, with with what we're doing there. And and on on Twitter, you can follow us, Global Returns Project. Facebook, Global Returns Project. Instagram, Global Returns Project. You even Global Returns channel. Project. You're, yeah. you're there. Um, and then I suppose I suppose the other sort of final thing was, you know, that 
Yeah, because I'm thinking a lot, lot about sort of purpose at the minute and, and sort of having a career, as you say, where you're doing what you love and contributing to what's important to you. Where did that start for you? When, when did that sort of aspiration to you know, have a positive impact to the, to the uh, environment and, and, and make positive change, you know, when did that thought process start and, and, um, and, and how did it come to today? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think just thinking about it now, it, it, it may well have been at school. Um, at school, a, a lot of people I knew just wanted to make as much money as they could. Um, and actually, um, I, I, had, I had a couple of older friends who just saw things differently and they were like, that they, they, they didn't do that um, when, when they left school and they did something different. Um, and, and it kind of made me think, well, I, I don't necessarily have to follow that path. Um, and actually, there's some amazing stuff that people I look up to do that is just not on that trajectory. Um, and then and then when I went to university, um, so that kind of introduced this idea that, that and, and that's not to say you can't make loads of money with that, with that and not be moral with it. But I, I um, just challenged that idea that you, you go into investment banking straight away or whatever yeah yeah um, but um yeah so so then i went to university i studied geography and one of the courses i did was on environmental knowledges and the politics of expertise um and the thing that i learned there was well i i learned about climate change obviously through the geography degree but what i learned is this is a hugely um there's a huge level of inequality when it comes to climate change yeah. the people that are often the poorest in the world are the people who are going to be worst affected by it and i think there was a, a bit of a i won't say a light bulb moment because it wasn't a a sudden click of the fingers i think it happened over a, a year or right, two yeah i was like no this is what i want to do and i want to work in the environmental space and i was lucky enough to, to be able to do that and, and got the opportunity to go returns project but but it's funny you should say that because that um i think that economic impact of crisis has been evidenced during the pandemic as well you know we are, we've been really grateful that the pandemic even though um it showed me that i'm the worst homeschooling dad in the world um uh, not you know teaching as an aspiration for me ollie was never was never i'm glad it was the route i didn't take um uh you know economically and from a comfort level and and everything else that you know we sort of breezed through that and i was talking to Cass the other day about how grateful we are for that you know sort of really lucky that we've we've been in that position and managed to sort of weather the storm pretty much untouched um but how directly the impact is on people who are struggling and how how different the impact is you know it, it does seem that the pandemic has had a, either a sort of um a neutral or positive impact compared to to one that's a bit more disastrous and i i think we forget that sometimes when we're living our daily lives what do you think i i completely agree with you and and yeah and a lot of us are so lucky in our lives that that it's very easy just to, to breeze through them and not think about those things. But sometimes we just got to stop and think and actually just watch what's happening around the world. And maybe and it, take some action um, to yeah. get involved in projects that, that help others. 
a hundred percent and and as as you as you say and, and and as as the podcast says just being kind and, and thinking kindly is is often a first step to that amazing Ollie, you've been an absolute pleasure to to interview thanks for coming on the podcast mate and uh, we'll see you soon for the next edition when you're probably gonna have some big news for us <laughs> I managed to, to nab myself a second spot with that big enough. <laughs> Cheers, Ollie. So that was the second part of uh, Ollie's interview. Really enjoyed speaking to Ollie about the positive impact his, uh, his organisation, him and his organisation, is <clears throat> making. Um, let's end the show as we normally do. My time's trying. <laughs> But the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And that entirely new is answering last week's question of the podcast. It is. And last week's question of the podcast was uh, Who is your celebrity look like? Now, a couple of people wrote in saying, Who was my celebrity look like? And I, I've had a few celebrity look like his over the years. Um, the first one, I get a lot of David Williams. A lot of people say uh, I look a bit like David Williams. Uh, a few years ago, uh, people said I look like Zinedine Zidane, who's a, <laughs> who's a, who's a, who's a uh, French footballer um, or, 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 um, or was famous back in the sort of 90s. Um, and uh, once I'd been athlete. Um, no, you didn't. I did. No, you didn't. What, the, so I, what one time somebody said I looked like Ben Affleck? They did. Were they wearing glasses? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they had what stick. Um, right, <laughs> and then we've got a few others. Dave Brooks said, "Mark Strong, we do not need to discuss this." And I checked out Dave's photo, and he does look quite a lot like Mark Strong. Ian L said he looks like Chuck Norris. Uh, Kevin Wood said, Cesc Fabregas, who's a footballer. Oh, and Alex Dimitrades, as somebody pointed out the other day. John Gould reckons he looks like George Clooney. Michael Hall reckons he looks like Joss Whedon. Uh, Mark O'Halloran reckons he looks like Phil Collins. And Joshua Cartwright said he looks like Damian Lewis. And on that note, that is the end of another show. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gents. We'll see you next week on The Kindness Project. And we hope, wherever you are in the world, what are you doing, Russ? You having a little little cup of coffee? Uh, what are you, he's using his ninja XL grill. Um, and on that note, <laughs> have a lovely week. Bye. 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 Bye.